So we were doing a chorus line and I was doing all the props. And all of the props included 20-odd glittery hats <laughs> that had to go into the back of my... Uh, if you remember the first car that I had, a Renault 5, a little blue Renault 5, mm. which to the day that I wrote it off, which is only about a year later... <laughs> <laughs> had glitter in the back of the car. Every time you'd open the boot up, you said, oh, there's another bit of glitter. Or every time, you know, you get, it just, it was everywhere and you couldn't get rid of it. <laughs> I we're, remember. We're talking <laughs> at the moment about, about the, how difficult it is to get rid of glitter. Glitter. When, when it's got, yeah, uh, infused I, into anything. Well, when I went to university, I had this little thing of um, glittery, glittery stars. And I remember I exploded them all over my dorm room um, and I tried to pick them up and I was finding them for the entire year. And then what's worse is I was still finding them after I'd moved house like four times <laughs> in my things, just randomly finding a little glittery star. <laughs> I was like, fuck's sake. I, um, the, other, the other thing that happened at the end of Chorus Line um, was... We had to drive home. This is the last night of production. First time I'd, I'd driven at night oh, with all of the props in the back of my car and driving through Tewkesbury. And I'd forgotten to turn my lights on, which, you know, quite rightly, the police pulled me over and then went, what have you got in the back of your car? Which was full of glittery hats, all the props from the show. And it was like <laughs> I burgled somewhere. <laughs> I had to try and convince them. No, no, we did a show. I was on stage. There was dancing and hats. I I remember one time because I've done special effects stuff. Um, we there's a couple of amusing things. I did a, a a gore movie and we created body parts. So and we wrapped them in um, plastic bags and uh, as well. So I drove from where I was living, Loughborough, up through to Nottingham with a severed hand on my parcel shelf, um, a dead body just in bits, in wrapped in <laughs> black plastic in the back of my car. This isn't a real dead body. Um, and halfway there, I started getting followed by a freaking police officer. <laughs> now, he didn't pull me over, so I was quite impressed. So my logic is, at least if you're going to murder someone, do it in Nottingham because they won't. And you can put it in the back seat as long as you make it <laughs> cover it in black blast. They won't care. Um, and I had another one where um, I had we made a dead body prop for a... Um, escape room and it was an interactive dead body they could go inside the stomach and you could put your hand into that find a clue and it was a mannequin so we had her head because i had a tiny little car i've got a, a toyota yaris her head end was at the front and she had her legs open <laughs> she was <laughs> naked <laughs> um with her private parts pointing out behind us to the poor guy who was following her <laughs> I remember filming, we filmed a thing called The Ministry, which was um, uh urban fantasy, sort of almost Buffy-esque pilot that I did a, about 10 years ago. And uh, we'd gotten permission to film as, in as many places as we could. And we went up onto um, one of the local hills around here, which is a, a, a his National Trust now, I think. I'm not sure it was back then. Anyway, um we we were suddenly asked to leave because we were running around the place in cheap um, overalls that we bought from Poundland <laughs> and face masks with plastic guns. <laughs> and some people thought it was real. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! No, I I heard a, there was a there's a SFX guy, a special effects guy in I think he's in Nottingham. And he very, he's quite well known for it within the the sort of the the, the small community, the, the film community in, in Nottingham for doing this. I don't know why, but he'd created a severed hand and he decided one day in his wisdom to leave it on his wall and then fuck off out. <laughs> um, right. He came back to a police cordon. <laughs> oh my <laughs> no, God. It was real. I was like, that's, that's actually a pr pretty good compliment for any kind of. Uh, yeah. 
um, special effects artist. But I I remember finding that funny. Um, We set up, we've set up some some like really horrific, gory scenes in, in, you know, in the middle of town and stuff. Well, you know, intestines. Um, I remember chasing someone round with um, fake. I thought poo. you were going to say in Tesco's then. <laughs> no, no. Well, I chased someone round with fake poo um, once um, because, well, this is the fake not poo. Not for a job. This is for a hobby. This was for a hobby. Yeah. Um, the fake poo is made out of um, choc. Well, for us, it was chocolate syrup and dates to get the right consistency because it right. was going into fake intestines and and the guy had sure. to take a big chunk and bite out of it so we wanted it to taste good um and it actually tasted very very nice oddly but we had quite a few people who because it looked very real um so there's my and my friends sitting eating the mm. fake poo out of the bottom the spare fake poo, and people were like what the fuck so we were like eat the poopoo you must eat the poopoo um so <laughs> i remember that much um welcome to murdering a podcast <laughs> <laughs> the conversations you have Rem- reminiscence uh, about t- days gone by and poo gone cold no no chocolatey That's... poo <laughs> i remember folks chocolatey poo chocolatey poo welcome to murdering a podcast two writers journey to produce a narrative murder mystery I don't know what we were going to talk about today, but I have got a topic that might be quite interesting. Oh, because we didn't so, actually plan this one we at all, did we? We haven't talked but about did, this one. I did think, I was just, I went to the loo, and Ooh. that's what I do my best thinking. <laughs> did you that's, have a chocolatey poo? I did, I did have a very chocolatey poo. <laughs> it was an angel delight. <laughs> I'm not cutting this out. I usually... <laughs> Usually, sort of little bits of, of nonsense I might cut out, but this staying in. So, I thought today we could talk about politics in drama. Oh yes. Now, so the, because the whole thing is the whole advice is if you are writing a script, and as was always, except for when I was doing political satire, in which case they kind of expect you to do it, was always <laughs> don't put any politics in it at yes. all, and yet. Shows like Game of Thrones are pretty much pure politics. Yes. And tits. Poli- yeah, politics and t- I like the tits. <laughs> and well, many people do, and that's why it was oh, yeah. so popular. Uh, but it is, you know, there is so much politics in that show. How can something uh, which seems to be a, uh, a sort of hard and fast rule in um in, in for, for uh, I know some commissioners who've said they won't touch anything with politics, in, for example. How can that be the case when there are things like that, or Yes Minister, if you like your comedies, or um, House of Cards um, mm-hmm. that are so ridiculously popular because it's a thing with politics in? Well, you've also got things like Star Trek, which is incredibly political. Um, I mean, politics in space well, is also still politics. This is the thing. <laughs> this is coming out of conversations I've had around Doctor Who, where there are a lot of people who are saying at the moment there's, there's too much politics in Doctor Who at the moment. Whereas I don't think that's quite what they mean. Yeah. But they don't. I don't think I don't think it's not that they don't know how to articulate it. They don't they haven't had the kind of the uh, the exposure to media in the same way that other people have. So when they say oh, there's too much politics and then the, the comeback is, well, actually, no, look, there was politics in Green Death, which is one of the most popular uh, John Pertwee um, episodes or um, Invasion of the Dinosaurs or in uh, The Sunmakers. Or now if you don't know what uh, the Doctor Who episodes, then, then that's not going to mean a thing to you. The practical <laughs> even back in the 70s there was a lot of political commentary in doctor who mm. but for some reason now the the last is it five years since jody yeah. whitaker took over has it's been the, a rampant complaint about it and the show has lost a lot of viewers in that time as well so it's having an effect with with audiences how come then a show like game of thrones is getting away with it I think I know the answer, and I th- this is just my opinion. Um, 
But when you're looking at, again, I haven't this been able... why I thought it would be a good conversation. Yeah. You see? Um, so when you're looking at things like the um, Doctor Who thing, one of the, the big switches that they made, they, they made, they changed from a male lead to a female lead. So then you've got the gender politics. That's inevitably going to cause a backlash. They're dealing with racial politics. So there's an episode, if I remember rightly, I haven't watched Doctor Who in a while because I don't have a TV license, but... Um, the last time I was watching it, they were addressing racism. They were addressing, um, you know, misogyny and se uh, sexism. So they were showing that, um, you know, the female Doctor Who wasn't getting as much as respect as a male Doctor Who would normally get uh, in the way she was treated. I noticed that they'd changed that. They'd, they'd made those observations. And people tend to get, I think, when you're dealing with, when you're dealing directly with um, sort of political direct politic politics so like in, in game of thrones where you're going well this this political faction and this political faction hate each other and they're going to fight mm -hmm. and argue that you know when it's directly to do with the political elements as in the politicians themselves i think people are more willing to accept um storylines about that but when you're talking about everyday politics or social politics like um you know particularly things like the the transgender issue um you know, uh, gay and and, and um, sort of non-heterosexual sexualities, um, you know, things that aren't the, the normative when you're talking about racism, things that are very socially charged because these are human rights, that there are people who believe that certain groups of people shouldn't have those human rights. And we, we all know that there's some that's going on in America at the moment where there are certain political ideologies that believe that women don't have the human right to make a choice. Um, and there are currently, you know, factions in America that are saying that LGBTQIA plus people should be done for treason. You know, I know that there's a state in America that is trying to bring in a, uh, gender check law in a rule in school or something where they are allowed to check female students genitals to make sure they're not transgender you know and these these political so these discussions can be very very volatile where you know and yet i would say that you know, when it comes to that, there is only one acceptable opinion, which is everybody deserves human rights because we are all freaking human. End of story. But I think perhaps this is the problem, is that both sides of that argument would say the same thing, that mm. there is only one acceptable way of dealing with this. And I think it takes a society a certain amount of time to work through issues like that. Mm. And actually, the abortion one in America and how how it's worked in America and how it's worked in the UK, I think is a good kind of analogue for that. Because mm. in the UK, we had the discussion. Yes. It was a very long discussion, around about the same time they were having it in the States. And it was solved eventually through an act of parliament. Yes. And it's Do never gone back on. There is never any talk in the UK about going back to, uh, you know, not having abortions. Do you know what the actual law is in the UK for abortion? It's 24 weeks, isn't it? I think. There's more to it than okay. people realise. So women are allowed to have an abortion up, up to 24 weeks ideally it's 22 but they will allow those extra two weeks for extreme situations and then there is a reason for that, that particular cutoff as well isn't Absolutely, that? that's, the, that's yeah. the point at which the fetus becomes sentient and viable it's called and viability viable. Well, yeah it's, it's yes, the viability uh, the, uh, yes the idea is you can't have viability without sentience because you yeah. could potentially say well actually you know you could it could actually be a vi viable a bit earlier than that as well um well, it, but it, the sentience thing is is a an important aspect of it yeah. too um but the actual law states that if a woman, if I was to, for example, uh, get pregnant and didn't want to, that's highly unlikely, <laughs> considering. Um, and I just went off and got an abortion without the going through the proper process. I would without, get done without for, being pregnant. Yeah, yeah, without no. Um, <laughs> I would. I could actually still get done for manslaughter or murder and get life in prison. So the process is, I have to get permission from two separate doctors in order to get an abortion. If I don't get that permission from two separate doctors, I can go to prison for um, murder. So now, that's from what I've heard. Although I don't, 
no, but I've I I know a few people who have had abortions. Was actually that that wasn't a particularly difficult thing to do because there no. are places that you know there are abortion clinics who will go and two doctors from that clinic will sign it yeah. off and you're, you're okay. But that is still in in place. Yes, and I think that's where we've kind of we've we've said, well, you know what, this is our compromise. In order to have yeah. the abortion, you have to do that. And if she doesn't abide by those laws. So we, we don't still don't have full autonomy over our own bodies and decisions, but it is significantly easier. And most doctors will give permission in the UK yeah. um, to get an abortion. It, it's reasonably easy. So I think and that's I, where I we've think compromised. On a, on a social on level as well, because of that, then, you know, that is a... Is a um, we're never going to go back on that. Even though Parliament could tomorrow say we're going to abolish all abortion laws, uh, they, they won't because mm. um, it, it's um, what am I looking for? The word it's it's a settled. Yeah. And if you were to make something, let's say uh, a television show uh, in the UK which had uh, an abortion in it, that, that wouldn't be a big thing. Nobody would really be railing against that saying it's mm. completely different in the states yes where they do and and i think i know why go on okay so in the uk like i said we had it settled long long discussion act of parliament yes in the us long discussion which was curtailed not by an act of big congress wouldn't it yeah. but by a decision in a court Yes. And I think and that then, because of that, a lot of people didn't feel like they'd been heard. And mm -hmm. that's just sort of steamrolled into where we are now. Yeah. Whereas a, most other countries, in, especially in Europe, wouldn't think twice about having an abortion law because we know that it helps keep people safe. So yeah. it seems well, like a sensible thing to do. You've got two really good examples that have happened within a few weeks of this new um, law coming into place in America. Mm. One, and this is a trigger warning, if you are particularly sensitive to um, SA, sexual assault or, or you know... Um, or South Africa. <laughs> um, sexual assault or any other kind of um, abusive, you know, abuse... Please, 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 you know, just skip forward a few minutes because we're going to be talking about that now. Um, in America, you've got two cases. You had a woman who had an egg topic peg pregnancy, um, which is never viable. And it will ep often, if egg topic. Ep topic, isn't it? Not egg topic. topic. Ep topic. Egg topic is a chocolate bar in an okay. egg. Yes. Um, ep topic. <laughs> um, we are trying to keep this light. I know this is a very serious topic. Yes, we are trying to keep it, keep it light. Yeah, we're still a podcast and we are both still, you know, people but, who like yeah, to, we're, to we're, make we're things not, funny. We're not uh, un, um, sympathetic to things that are going on that's the important yeah. thing to, it's know. we are you know we are very sympathetic to it and, we, and and we're not trying to make light of it it's more just for me it's a coping mechanism to to, to laugh at the things that that horrify me or 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 make me feel uncomfortable um and i, I know you're you're very similar in that respect well but generally i think if you can't ridicule the ridiculous then we're in we're trouble. in trouble and i think yeah. that some of these things that have happened in the states are absolutely ridiculous yeah i and, think and, i might know the second thing you're coming on to as well so yeah the target of the of there. the humor is is the people who are led making these legislations not the people who are yeah. suffering yeah. um so yeah so or you've tash. got the first that's the other or, thing it might i'm be usually, usually i'm usually tash. the target of the joke yeah because yeah, I, I i don't i don't mind on that one i, I like laughing at myself <laughs> so i'm there's plenty to laugh at with me um but yeah, so you've got this lady who's got an eptopic pregnancy and the doctors had left her in agony, um, bleeding, you know, for this baby to develop until the there was a rupture which put her life at danger. She was bleeding out for several days because they didn't know what to do because if they saved her life, they could get put into prison. And if mm -hmm. they didn't save her life, they could get put into prison. So they were damned if they do, damned if they didn't. So this the person who suffered was this woman. Um, and that's a horrific thing to go through. That's torture. And then you've also got this, the most disturbing of all i think is the 10 year old little girl who I, I was thought this was the one you were going to come brutally on to yeah. raped she mm. became pregnant and women can get pregnant at that age or young girls can get pregnant we start our periods quite young um i was 11 when i started mine most women are, are 10 or 11 some are nine 
and she was forced to go to a different state and have that abortion and the doctor who who you know bless her heart the doctor who put her own medical practice and her own safety and security at risk to help this young girl and i think that doctor needs praising and all the support that she can get because she is a freaking hero in my head um she is the one now having a reputation ruined and people Mm. are calling for her to go to jail but here's the other really the thing i think most disturbing about this is that actually the law in and of itself in that state Mm. would have supported that girl having an abortion. But because of the... No, because it was rape, I think it would have still gone through. No, However, it's, six, it's six weeks, so regardless, even with rape, the cutoff over in America in those states is six weeks, and she was a few days over, so that's what the official statement is. See, one of the difficult things about talking about subjects like this is that every state has a different law on this, yeah. and it's very difficult to pin it down. sometimes pin down which ones are which. However, um, so if you've got any corrections, please of, put them in the note. Yes, if we get anything regardless wrong, of what that us. law was you wouldn't have been able to find a doctor to do it anyway. Yeah. Because it was too much a chance of of them getting um, sued or hold hold over the coals like this, like you said, this other doctor is already. It's, it's horrific. And it's, you know, this is why I don't like the, you know, it's, they're not pro-life at all. I mean, who would force, and I'm going to get quite angry here. Who the, excuse the swearing, please beep it over if you need to, but who the fuck, would force a fucking 10-year-old who has just been brutally fucking raped to have a baby. I mean, that's traumatic as it is. For a grown Mm. woman to have a baby, it puts your life at risk. It is traumatic. A 10-year-old wouldn't fucking survive. Yeah. And yet they claim they're pro-fucking life. How fucking dare you? Sorry, that is... I am so angry at these people Mm. for what they've done to, to... women to human beings to children that are living and breathing that have been born because they care more about a zygote which is what it is it's a zygote or zygote or however you pronounce it it's not even a fucking fetus Mm. you know sorry rant over Mm. this this gets me quite quite wound up because it's you know this these are i consider you attack one woman you attack us all it's 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 wrong. It is so wrong. And it shouldn't be the case. But when you're talking about sensitive issues like this and you've got, and I think it's it's people who misinterpret religion, and I have to say this, misinterpret, because I don't think any religion out there actually says to torture people, to murder people, or to cause harm. Um, most religions promote loving your neighbour. I'm not religious myself, but I respect people's religion and i know a lot of religious people they are lovely kind compassionate mindful people because they follow Mm -hmm. the religion accurately and properly and then you've got these a-holes out there who misinterpret willfully and purposefully misinterpret these religious texts in order to oppress groups of people like people of color get oppressed because they feel that you know because you know they made jesus white even though he was born in a place where he would have been brown um so that everyone must be a white man from oxford as um eddie azad says and then you've got but most christians aren't like that and it's this small group of of, of people. I mean, and I most, don't call them most Christians. People They're just dickheads. Aren't like that. I think you know. Those people. In, no. in general, people are actually quite nice. Mm. And yeah, there's disagreements, sure, between but but most of the time, people are quite nice. Yeah. And and that, the, but but then this this highlights what we were talking about earlier. Getting back to the the right. Yeah. Sorry but, that we but, get but onto that subject and I'm about, off on one. <laughs> well, here's it. You just talked about a very emotive subject. Yeah. which in the UK is not a very emotive subject because we've already got not only laws in place, but we've got an established um, way of dealing with these things. Like you said, there is a trade-off, Absolutely. but it's not a trade-off that we have to get angry about because we know Absolutely. that people are protected when they you know, when they have these, these issues. Not so in America, which is a terrible thing uh, but I, again i think it's that that case right so where where america is with abortion right now in terms of the general discussion is where britain was with abortion in the 70s 
Yes. And where America also was in the 70s, because that they, there was that sort of cutoff. The Brexit thing was exactly the same thing. Mm. There, there was, I remember the 90s, the, um, it was the early 90s, when there were people not rioting quite, but having quite big protests in the streets because they weren't because of joining the EU or joining the, what was it, going from the common market to the EU, mm. uh, signing Maastricht, signing Lisbon. And again, that decision was made uh, as a t- at a top-down level. Uh, our Prime Minister at the time said, I'm going to sign this, regardless of what those people are thinking, but I'll sign this here. And, then say, and I think that's the thing that, that kind of uh, gave birth to what has happened now. Because... Yeah. Again, there was a large group of people who felt disaffected by not being able to have that conversation fully or felt their voices weren't heard. And the same I, 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 with, with modern politics, if you put anything which is slightly, I wouldn't say topical as such, but slightly controversial where we are right now, yeah, then you get this disconnect with people because there are some people who will not feel that they've... Uh, had a good deal from whatever you do because whenever you write drama or comedy or whatever mm-hmm. you have to have a viewpoint you will always have a viewpoint character and that yeah. viewpoint character cannot be the viewpoint of everybody who is dealing with these issues on a regular basis I think I was, I, I've got, I was trying to think about what I was trying to articulate earlier about sort of what the difference between dealing with social politics, and I'm going to separate this off, and, and I would say sort of governmental politics. I think when you're taking the piss out of a government and you're taking the piss out of politicians, most people, I would say, regardless of what politi- uh, political party they support, view most politicians with some form of disdain. These are rich, well-to-do people making laws about our life and quite often politicians are out of touch so what we're seeing is people punching if upwards you, if and you don't know uh, it, 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 the studies have been done a lot of these studies have been done if you if mm. you hadn't seen any of these before because they are around there are two professions which are at the bottom of the ladder when it comes to, to public trust yes and they are politicians and journalists <laughs> ah, yeah politicians and journalists so it. nobody minds you taking the piss out of politicians. Nobody minds you taking the piss out of um, or doing dramas on that because you don't have to do it about the. So, for example, things that are highly political, like like a, uh, the Orville's quite a good one because that deals with some really really emotive political issues mm. um, without actually. And I love the Orville. If you haven't watched it, please do. It's absolutely amazing. And, um, and, you, know, you can do it. You can deal with these things. Oh but yeah, you've got to do it in the right way. And You've got to do it in a way that brings people along with you. And I, I think this is where we could get back to Doctor Who. Yes. And the Green Death in particular. Have you ever seen the Green Death? I don't know. I, I kind of don't know the names of episodes. The only ones okay. I know are Weeping Angel is, is, is the... Because I, I just um, remember that being a really awesome episode. And it's, you, a, my it's from the <laughs> 1970s. It's John Pertwee in Wales with giant maggots. Ooh. Have you, if you've not seen it. No. <laughs> Pash's birthday on Thursday. I don't know how much the DVD is, but <laughs> there might be one on the way. Because it's one of my favourite cereals. Um, I much prefer Rice Krispies. Really, I can't I can't eat them because uh, the, the, the snap and crackle is fine, but, but the, the, the pop, pop is just... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I prefer the pop, actually, to the snap and the crackle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, no, I was going to say something about breaking bones, but that's not necessarily a good idea. No, because I case. do that on a regular <laughs> basis. Um, I quite literally snap, crackle and pop when I get out of bed. So, you know, um, the joys of having Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, also known as my body is a dickitis. Anyway, Green Death yes. is, is <laughs> in the 1970s, there, there was a lot of talk about environmentalism. Mm-hmm. And a lot of talk about you know needing to find new food sources and mm-hmm. not polluting the planet. And Green Death is uh, in parts an allegory for that. Yes, but that's not the main cut and thrust of the episodes. Those elements are brought into it, but they are not. Uh, 
the focus of it. Yeah. Uh, the focus of it is everything else that's going around there. Um, and it's, it's mentioned, but it's not, um, well, yeah, it's not the main thing that you focus on. And so when you get to the end of it, regardless of whether or not you agree with the politics of the episode, you can still go, actually, I had a good episode. That was a good mm. thing. I enjoyed the story. Um, and I, I think that's the difference. But the, coming back to that season of Doctor Who, those two seasons yeah. of Doctor Who, the same production team, the year later, did an episode about uh, the climate movement and how destructive it was. Mm. So you've got the same people from that thing saying, yes, we need to protect the environment. This is the first group of stories. Of it. And, and also being able to say, but some of the ways that some of these people are doing it are going a bit too far. Yes. And the ability to do that, I think we've lost in modern TV making. I think if you don't follow a particular narrative to the sometimes the strangest of conclusions <laughs> then <laughs> I, I, I won't get on to, into uh, the uh, arachnids in the uk episode of doctor who which is i, I hated that so much i hate spiders you, so yeah, you, you wouldn't not. like it anyway no but the, you, you've got giant spiders and one is really suffering at the end and so the bad guy who is basically trump shoots it <laughs> and and the thing you're meant to get away from that, your take away from that, is guns are bad and not animals that are suffering should be put down to stop them suffering, which is a fairly <laughs> big thing, a fairly you know well um, trodden ground in the UK. Uh, that yeah, animals shouldn't suffer if you can avoid it, and yet the doctor, the moral centre of the story, was just letting it suffer until it died, um, and and then traps a load of other spiders in a room where they would have eaten one another, and it, it's a very strange morality mm. just to get away from the idea that guns are bad so yeah. you know yeah i mean to be fair like when it comes to again gun politics in in the uk it was quite simple we had a school shooting we banned guns <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that, um, that, that in itself isn't strictly true because you can still get a gun yes the, the, just... the idea is the police you have to tell the police that you want one and the, they have to agree that you need one Mm. And you have to go through a lot of vetting and training and making sure that you've got them secure. There's a lot involved here. So people, are, again, when people say, oh, you know, gun regulation, or you're taking our guns, well, actually, no, they're not. They're just taking them away. If you are not an insane person who's likely to kill people, then you've got nothing to you worry about. But then, <laughs> well, you then, can still have one. It's only the, 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 the psych bats and the, and the uh, shooty yeah, people, yeah. like the murdery people, the killy people that we don't want to have guns, you know, the people who are likely to go into schools and shoot up children. But then often it's the people who shouldn't have had the guns in the first place who've got them through other means that mm. is is the problem. And I don't know how you deal with that, but they, yeah. we have to, I, we have to do something. But then yeah. I feel it's useless on that topic because I have yeah. no idea what that something is. Exactly. Um, but yeah, we're, we're just going back to sort of, you know, representing politics in, in drama and, and why some things can get away with it. I think if you, like we were saying earlier, if you're representing sort of governmental politics in terms of, um, you know, looking at politicians and how they make decisions and you're, you're sort of criti critical of those, I think people can get behind that because even when you've got a party in that you support, I'm, you know, you'd still be crit critical of them for some of their policies, I mm. would say. Um, and like you said, because they're people don't trust them. It's quite easy to be able for everyone to agree that yes, even if they're making the right decisions, politics and politicians are essentially fair game to take a take a knock at because they're at the top of the ladder. And, and what's and interesting, I think, up. is that when I mean, I remembered uh, I'm writing one show, and I actually can't remember what show it was because twenty years ago that kind of blended into into one. It was in. It was ninety seven. It was the the changeover between Tory and Labour, mm. um, and you you know the end of one week it was okay. What what do we do to bash the Tory government this week? And then the end of the next one is okay. What do we do to bash the Labour government this week? You know, that that does happen. But um, you've still got these horrible characters, uh, no matter what government is in in power who were just as horrible. In fact, uh, one of the biggest political shows in the 90s was The New Statesman mm. uh, with Rick Mayle, who in 
the version that they redid in the in the mid nineties had changed from being a Thatcherite to being a Blairite. Yeah. Because it was easy to do, because it's yeah. still having a go at politicians for the things that politicians are doing. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting, though, things like House of Cards or uh, even, yes, Minister, the the things they're having a go at are basically contrived things. It's not modern politics. It's not the, the current um, problems that you have today. Yes, Minister ended up being extraordinarily prescient for some of the things that have happened fairly recently. Mm. But still... Those were issues that were happening in the 70s and 80s when it was being written. And yet, it didn't feel like that. It doesn't feel like it's a show that, that's, uh, that's sort of having a go at a particular political party. It's having a go at the situations. It's having a go at the, all of the languages around it, whether it's pro this or anti that or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's the great strength in it, is that it doesn't particularly take up a, a position Yes, Minister as a satire, again, had a reboot in the late 90s. It was towards the end of the Tony Blair administration mm. and was talking about things like um, the independence, uh, the Scottish independence thing. Yeah. Um, was talking about things like the EU, was talking about things uh, like immigration and mm. was... a. a all points sort of saying, well, this is the ridiculousness of this part of the policy and this is the ridiculousness against, about being against this part of the policy. And it wasn't really taking up a particular standpoint. Yeah, and that's when I think it, it works well. Yeah, it's where you're holding a mirror than... up to something and saying, yeah. all of this is ridiculous and, and these are this is how. So, I think maybe that's why when you're talking about governmental politics, and I'm differentiating governmental and social politics because it, it, I think they are very differently handled and received by, by audiences. As long as I think most of them tend to go, they'll look at two opposing parties and laugh at the ridiculousness of both parties rather yeah. than pointing at one um, unless you're looking at satire. I think when we're talking about more social politics, we're talking about more systemic issues, issues that are ingrained within society. So um, systemic racism, which means, and when we're talking systemic, it means a subconscious bias because you've had it drilled into you for so long. Um, systemic misogyny, systemic homophobia, systemic transphobia. You know, it has been, for example, um, you know, people of colour have had to, you know, endure slavery. There are still people alive today whose um, recent relatives were, you know, who knew somebody who was involved, you know, who, who ended up um, suffering as a result of, of the slave trade because mm. it, it was, it was going for so long and it affected uh, black communities for so long, particularly in America. Um, and as a result I, of I that, I think it is, it is a particular problem in America in a way that it isn't anywhere else. Mm. Not that it isn't a problem anywhere else. I'm just saying that, you know, in America in particular, yeah. there, there is, is so much more of a, of an issue than, than, uh, than I think, I mean, with, with the UK, we were behind a lot of the slave trade, although we didn't have as many in our country, and you know, as many slaves in our country, we were behind we should, it all. For balance, we should say, um, that actually we ended it as well. Yeah. We did by an awful lot to end it. And I, um, I've got to say by making the, the slaves pay for their freedom, <laughs> which is ironic, um, you know, but it's one of those, isn't it? It's the, it, it's, you just, it's the, you've got to look at it and go, wow. But we, it, you know, the upshot is it was ended and we, we did play a considerable part in it for balance. But regardless the unfortunately in order to be able to control people um i know particularly in the uk uh, i go on about dr jessica taylor a lot she she looks shines a light on this type of thing on how they've used um psychology and to oppress certain groups um you know people of color were oppressed particularly people who were brought over here to different countries to be slaves were oppressed through um a diagnosis of something called dreptomania uh look it up it is horrific mm -hmm. the idea was that if um 
because white people couldn't understand why on earth someone, a, a, a black person, wouldn't want to be a slave. They must be insane because that's just bullshit. Um, so what they did is they created a load of white men in a group. <laughs> <laughs> said, yeah, well, we'll just diagnose them with dreptomania and section them and medicate them, and then and that that's how we'll do it. So yeah. g- gaslight them, essentially. Um, you can see that with uh, homosexuality as well. So for men, it was very different for men and women. Um, men were in- actively imprisoned. It was illegal to mm-hmm. have for two men to have sex. They were imprisoned. They were chemically castrated. Um Women had a very different end of the stick. It was, uh, they couldn't understand how a woman could possibly have sex with another woman. And, and um, the, the thinking behind lesbianism was, well, why wouldn't you want men? You must be insane. So that's where you get, a, there are some diagnoses today that have questions in them about sexuality still. So mm. there's one particular mm. controversial diagnosis, which is uh, borderline personality disorder. And depending on which psychologist you see and, and, and what have you, there are some of those questions. And one of the questions is, have you ever doubted your sexuality? I think 99.9% of gay people are going to say yes, because, mm. you you mm. know, um, but they, they again, lesbians were deemed as mentally deficient because they didn't find men attractive. So they were sectioned a lot of the time and 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 diagnosed with mental health issues. Um, whereas men were arrested, and it, you know, it was horrific. But that's all ingrained in society, and we still have a lot. And then we had the AIDS pandemic, and they used a lot of anti-gay propaganda in order to be able to sort of go, yeah, not our problem. Well, it's starting to happen again with the mon- monkeypox stuff as well, isn't it? Because mm. monkeypox um, transmits through uh, close interaction and um, largely uh, intimate close interaction. And so it's very much being pushed on the gay community as a as, as a your problem thing yeah. as opposed to scapegoats you know. yeah um and that's the thing they it, it's the well, well it's that it's the gay community because it's god's wrath well actually you know god and and, and the, the bible said nothing about uh, homosexuality until 1946 when someone put it in there you need clever he came down to edit the uh, edit the um edit the bible to accommodate people's homophobic views don't you think that's 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 uh pretty good of him um you know the the minority and again i've got to say as a disclaimer the vast majority of christians absolutely accept um the lgbtqia plus community um and are huge supporters and um of of equal rights for the lgbtqia plus community um it is this small faction of dickheads that aren't Christians, that aren't, I would say, actually religious. They're just using it as an excuse to be a dick. Um, so, but these issues are systemic. So you've got the slavery issue, the, the racism, which stems from slavery, which stems from, you know, turning people against people of colour in order to keep them oppressed and to keep them slaves. Then, And that's still around, That that that's, you know, that the systemic issue still around. So when it's then brought up in, in, in dramas and that, you know, or in, in shows, it becomes an incredibly emotive issue. You've got the same thing with heterose- homosexuality and, and transgenderism, which is, again, she a really good, the new Netflix she I keep going on about it. she a lesbian. I'm very happy about this. Um, <laughs> But, you know, Swift Wings got the colours of the lesbian flag if when um and and the Pride Rainbow on in on he, he is the colours of the lesbian flag and, and he's got the Pride Rainbow on his wings. And, and you know, for me that was amazing. But that, a lot of people have kicked off about it because there's a lot of gay characters and it's just normal. It is just normalized. It's not a big thing. It's just some people are gay, some people are not, some people are non-binary, some people are uh, do you know what I mean? It's just a normal thing in that world. But again, because of that that hatred is so systemic, that fear, I think, not hatred, fear, very similar to the racism side of things. They installed and I'm not saying racism and, and, and homophobia are the same thing because obviously, you know, you've got intersectionality where people of colour who happen to also be in the LGBTQIA plus community, they experience both homosexuality from their own communities, uh, well, you know, from one from one side of their community and um, racism from the other. So they, they get the worst end of the stick. 
Um, but in terms of how they mirror, in terms of how they come about, it's, it, it's the fear, I think. The fear. So, again, there was a lot of propaganda against people of colour to make, you know, to make white people scared of them so that they wouldn't respect them and to undermine them. And then it's the same with, with homosexuality and transgenderism, with all this, you know, uh, oh, well, you know, these transgenders, they're going to sneak into the bathrooms. Bollocks, are they? Um, you know, but then you've also got, so those. So when we bring up those issues and we put those types of political issues in, even if they're very subtle and it's like it's just a happens to be a gay couple, we immediately get, you're trying to force us all to be gay. Right. Well, if you couldn't force me to be straight, darling, it's not going to, you know. <laughs> um, but it, do you see, do you understand what I mean? Or is am I making any kind of vague sense? Yes. No, no, you, no, you are. Yeah. Yeah, it's the, the difficulty then at, at this point is because we're very quickly running out of time. Yeah. Uh, it is that we're very quickly running out of time. time. But the, then, you know, what do you do if you're sat down to write something and, you know, how, how do you tackle it? How do you, because uh, essentially what we've said is that if you start to talk about a lot of these things uh, that we're, that are prescient right now, mm. that you are going to alienate maybe h- half of a potential audience. Maybe even all of your potential audience it depends, yeah. you know, where, where you're coming from. How do you then deal with that? Well, again, going back to Doctor Who, I think that's the way of, that you start to do it. That, mm. that you set it in, perhaps allegorically, in a different context in mm. order to show, you know, the, the point that you're trying to make without trying to make that point. But even then, you've got to be careful that it's, it is... Uh, understood that that's what you're doing but at the same time um, and I'm talking about Doctor Who because I know the series quite well but actually sci-fi and fantasy have been doing this for decades Yeah, there's a lot of very very good sci-fi fantasy out there that, uh, that, that deals with current social problems Terry Pratchett always used to deal yes. with that sort of thing um, um. I was going to say Game of Thrones, because it was a fantasy world, they were able to deal with very emotive subjects without it becoming it hitting home too hard because it wasn't in a fantasy world, like you said. And all well, I think one of the things with Game of Thrones as well, you could show stuff that you couldn't really show yeah. on a normal television sort of because of that fantasy setting. It gave you a barrier mm. between you and the real world. Or Absolutely. rather, the Game of Thrones in the real world. Mm. Whereas, you know, if you'd seen some of the abuse, rape, the you know scenes that were in it, which I mean, there weren't nearly as many as people would said there were, but there was still still some in it. Yeah. Some of the things on there, if you'd done that in a normal television series, it would have been people would have Horrific. said that that was too far. That was far yeah. beyond the pale because you put it in a medieval setting. Yeah. You've given. Uh, you, you know, we we understand that there was a time when things were more like this, and so it's it, it doesn't make it more acceptable, but it makes the depiction of it more easy, in, more palatable, in line with the actual thing that we have in our head for yeah. uh, for that. Era. It, it's that raising issues without saying it's happening now. Um, yeah, the Orville yeah. recently have just done a storyline, um, and it deals with racism homophobia and transgenderism or mm-hmm. and misogyny all four and they did it in a way that it, it was so subtle so um they have a, a a race of people who are incredibly bigoted who hate everybody else in the universe um they are the bad guys um you've got another race of people who are also so you've got different you know and then you you see the racial sort of um differences and the cultural differences and how this sort of impacts and and the racism there is 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 sort of alien racism so i hate those aliens who are from a different planet because their culture is different to mine but you have one particular i think i can't remember the maclucks also i don't know um the ones with the the, the with the funny heads makeup on very similar to the Klingons in Star Star Trek. Uh, I think they were supposed to represent <laughs> like those. But they um they have a purely one gendered society, all men, and it is um an abomination to be born female and they are forced to be male. Um without their they don't they are assigned male at birth, regardless of how they are born. Mm. Um, and if they're not born with the right genitals, they are given the right genitals um, for what society deems as to be acceptable. Uh, it is 
um, illegal to be heterosexual on that particular planet, which I thought was a really interesting way to deal with it. And they've got a, a one particular character who was, they say that females are, it's rare to be born female. And one of the main characters in that particular um, race of people gives birth to a girl. Men give birth in that that um, scenario. So, you know, um, there's lots of things that I could say about that one, which I think would be quite amusing, but we haven't got time. Um, but so they have an egg, they sit on it, the baby turns out to be female. One partner says, actually, I want to accept and love my child as they are. And the other partner says, not a chance. So they have to go to court um, to decide the gender of this baby and whether they're going to force this baby to be male or whether they're going to allow this baby to deal with the the the, the the hatred of being female they decide you know to go to go with male anyway the storyline goes and i don't if you haven't watched it this is probably a bit too late but please just pause now because you're gonna get the ruining end <laughs> um i'm gonna ruin it for you but the idea is that this ba this baby when they become an adult uh, or when they become um old enough as a teenager they start feeling as though they're in the wrong body they start doing the transgender thing and and then there's this whole thing about whether this person is allowed to become female because they know that they're female they said you can change my body but i'm always going to be female and so there's this whole storyline about the acceptance of transgenderism and 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 things and 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 then what they do and how they treat them and it was so well done and it was so it was done in a way that it didn't look like they were highlighting these issues mm. directly if yeah that makes I, sense. and i think well yeah i think that is the, the difference isn't it you're putting it in mm. a context that that anybody can look at and understand and and what's interesting actually is that for a lot of people, uh, something like Star Trek Discovery, which has, has dealt with issues like this as well, did it very badly. But something mm. like the Orville is quite, you know, a lot of people say actually does it very well. Oh, they do. Um, right. uh, and those are two shows that are actually very similar in the in the way that they approach stuff. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I think Orville uses a lot more humour as well, though. It, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, it, it, it is a... It is a very funny show honestly if you haven't watched it please do because i i i think i prefer it at the risk of everybody hating me and i think this is probably more controversial <laughs> a lot of people do no 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 i, I don't think that's particularly I controversial i think a lot of people prefer it than the the recent star trek stuff but that yeah. perhaps is a conversation for a different week yeah um, but for this now thanks ever so very much interesting one actually. for listening it's definitely something I think we might return to because I don't yeah. think there's, there's an easy answer to this as well. Um, I, but but there you go. Until next time, thanks ever so much for Oh, Patreon, for Patreon, Patreon. You Give can us come money. and find more information on Murdering a Podcast, including links to our Patreon, which would give us a, a, a big help with creating some of the stuff that we're creating. Until and then. other projects that we want to be able to deliver for free. So, Until then, um, yes. goodbye and good luck. Um, We'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Better push you on my lap. That was Murdering a Podcast. And if you'd like to find out more information about the podcast, the Mystery Lounge, or anything mentioned in the show, please head over to murderingapodcast.com. The music was The Secret of Tiki Island by Kevin MacLeod, and the producer was Steve Meller. Until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>